Amen. Open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Are y'all glad to be in church today? Amen. It's really good to see you. I, um, I guess I'm getting old. I'm getting soft. I, uh, I, when I'm, so I, I was just this past week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, every year I go to this men's golf retreat. And so we play golf during the day, have preaching at night. And, um, so I was in services with them and the preaching was really good. The, the preacher was a guy named Jerry Ross. And I, I want to bring him in to, to speak to us sometime. But he, when I was in Bible college, he was my bus captain. I worked on his bus route picking up kids for church in 1981. How about that? You all didn't know I was that old, did you? Yeah. But man, it was so good to hear him preach and just to be in the service. But anytime I'm in a service, I'd rather be in a service with you all. And so it's just great to see you. Psalm 119, and I promise, I know we have the teen auction coming up, and uh, so I will leave time for that. But now's the time to study God's Word. And I love this graphic, glorifying God by loving His Word. And so here at Grace Baptist, of course, we spend a lot of time teaching God's Word. It's important that we understand it. But the question is, do we love it? Do we really love God's Word? And the text that I get to preach today, uh, it's, it's just... Wonderful. So look at it. Psalm 119, and let's start reading in verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Lord, help us not to forget your word. And I pray that today is a recipe for how we can accomplish that. And Lord, I pray that your word is magnified today and you're glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, I spoke on the first two verses in this text. And I want to continue that thought as we finish this passage. But how many of you have noticed already some familiar verses in this section? And one of the things about studying Psalm 119 that's been fun for me is how much of it we already know. Because it's all about God's Word and it points us to it. So the way that I want us to look at this today is I want us to just focus on certain words in each verse that we'll be able to remember as we move into our week and hopefully uh, incorporate this into our lives. So in the, in the first verse, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? So there are two words, cleanse your way. God wants us to cleanse our way, and we looked at that last week. How do we cleanse our way? By, look at verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way, by not being defiled. And that has to be on purpose. In this world, because everything is sinful around us, in this world, walking in a clean way, that has to be on purpose. Amen? We have to set our hearts to do that, and we're going to learn how we're going to do that. It says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed. By taking heed. What does that mean? Pay attention to it. 
pay attention to God's word. You see, young people, you all are growing up around God's word. You hear it at home. You hear it at church. You know the words of the Bible. We sing the words of the Bible. So you know them, but your job is to take heed, to listen to them, and to choose to follow. You'll be at camp here in a few weeks, and I'm sure that the preacher will talk about that. Not just a head knowledge of the Word of God, but a heart knowledge where you believe it, and you walk with it, and you live in it. That's our goal. Uh, Let me just uh, digress here for a second. In our Sunday school hour this morning, we had such a great discussion about our desire to see all of these young people serve God in the next generation. And if you're not a part of one of our adult uh, Bible classes, I really recommend that you do that. Now, the fellowship is fantastic. We always have good food and coffee. But just the discussions that we have around the Word of God, we can't do that in this service. So if you're only coming to one service a week, you're really missing out on some good Bible discussion and Bible teaching, and then the camaraderie that comes from knowing God's people. So whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or a Sunday morning, I really recommend that you get involved in some of these other services. And one of the things that we talked about this morning, um, we talked about, so I've been pastor here for 23 years, and Pastor Hovestreit had been here for 46 years before I came. But by the time I got here, the only young couple in the church were Wade and Stacy New. Wade's out doing security, and Stacy wasn't even saved yet. They were the only young couple in the church. And Brent mentioned that in our Sunday school time this morning, how he'd look around and none of the kids that he had grown up with were in church. Wouldn't it be horrible for you guys 20 years from now to look around and none of your friends from church are actually going to church? Wouldn't that be terrible? You guys and ladies, you need to make a commitment. Say, I'm going to serve God for my whole life. If I'm in Sydney, I'm going to be involved at Grace Baptist. If I'm living somewhere else, I'm going to be involved in a good Bible-preaching church serving God. Because I can promise you this, and I say this to you all the time, I want you to have my life. Our life is fantastic. Last night, got home. I was sitting there. We're in the living room. I'm watching golf. Laura's playing on her phone. And because she doesn't like golf. And I just said to her, I love our life. I love our life. That's what I want for you guys. How many of you know people who live in homes and they don't love their life? See, how are we going to have that kind of life that we can really enjoy? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto. Unto the word of God, you've got to take heed to it. So I got to go fast. All right. Cleanse the way, take heed unto what? Unto the word of God. We're not going to listen to the culture. We're not going to listen to the idiots on ESPN. How many of you can't stand watching ESPN anymore because of the morons that that speak there? I mean, these, these people, I'm just telling you, this is the thing we need to remember. They hate you. They hate you. All right, I'm getting mad. All right, so now. So we're not going to take heed to that. We're not going to take heed to those voices. We're going to listen to the word of God. Right? It's almost as bad as an Alabama fan. <laughs> you need to cleanse your way, brother. Um, so the, the, that, just that idea, cleanse your way by taking heed according to the word of God. So now look at verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So there are a couple of words that jump out to me in that verse. 
The first is whole. With my whole heart. See, you can't live your life with one with one foot in Christianity and one foot in the world. It doesn't work that way. Um, I was one of the, the preachers at the, the golf retreats, Merv McNair over in Lebanon, Indiana. And we were in college together years and years ago. Um, he got saved. He was hitchhiking. And the guy that picked him up left his Bible on the seat. And Merv actually had to pick up the Bible to get into the car. And this guy was a doctor, a Christian doctor, and led him to the Lord. And he said, what do I do now? And he said, well, you probably ought to go to Bible college. Like a month later, he's in Bible college. Can you imagine going from hitchhiking? This guy was not a Christian or before he got saved. You know what I'm saying? And now he's at one of the, you talk about the Gestapo Bible college. <laughs> he was there and he made it through, planted a church. Just His wife, his future wife was Laura's roommate in college. And... Um, so we were talking, and he had taken his family to the Grand Canyon a while back. And they took the, the mule ride down into the Grand Canyon. And he talked about how, man, you'll look down, and you're on this narrow ledge on this donkey or mule. I don't even know the difference, Tom. You can explain it to me later. But if this, if this donkey, what is it, a mule or a donkey? It's a mule. Okay, so this mule takes one step wrong, and you're in big trouble. So, young people, if you are on that mule, do you want all of his feet on the trail or just some of them? See, okay, which, which one? All or some? All? all. Now, if they were always all on the trail, you wouldn't go anywhere. I understand. Right? You with me? Sam wasn't sure. Yeah, it's, you, you got to pick some of them up to move. What we don't understand, folks, is as dangerous as that is on that, that trail into the Grand Canyon, that's how dangerous having a foot in the world is. It's the same thing. It'll bring destruction. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And so wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, my whole heart. And then, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. The next word that jumps out to me there is wander, wander. And, and we've all seen that with our children. When they're little, you've got to keep hold of them because they would wander out into traffic. Am I right? And is that the scariest thing in the world? You're driving along and you see a child there and no one's paying attention to the child and you don't have any idea whether or not that kid's going to step out in front of you? In our neighborhood, I'm always, I, I mentioned to our kids, Lydia when she was at home, Jacob now, be careful when you're backing out of the driveway. Kids, you need to watch for the kids because they are not watching for you. Why is that? Children wander. See, this verse, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. What is a child doing when he walks out of traffic without paying attention? He's just wandering. He doesn't have a point to where he's going, not paying attention to what's going on around them. That's why the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly, to know what's going on around us. Don't just wander through life and certainly don't wander away from his commandments. 
So let's, let's go on. We, we looked at that last week. Look at verse 11. This is, of course, I think probably most of the people in the room know this verse by heart. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. How many of you have that verse memorized? You would, you would say that, I've, I, that I know that passage. This is such an important passage to us. Um, I, I want to read to you something that um, one of my favorite commentators, John Phillips, I, I, this is from his commentary called Exploring uh, Psalms. He wrote this. After God gave the law to Moses, he commanded that it be placed in the sacred ark. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? That ark was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and was covered with a lid of gold called the mercy seat. It had its place in the Holy of Holies beyond the veil. It was there upon that mercy seat that sat, that God sat enthroned in solitary splendor. Okay, young people, listen to this. This is pretty cool. The sacred ark, the depository for God's unbroken law, symbolizes the Lord Jesus. The acacia wood of the wilderness spoke of his humanity. The pure gold symbolized his deity. Within his heart, there reposed the unbroken law of God. His whole life was lived on earth with that law at the center of his being. He did always those things that pleased his father. He was perfect, sinless, and unblemished. In Old Testament times, when the ark was carried from place to place, it was borne on the shoulders of the priests and was overlaid with a cloth of blue. It was thus that the Lord Jesus journeyed through his life, high and lifted up, enthroned above all others. The life that others saw as they looked at him was a life that reflected the beauty of heaven. Within his heart, were only where only the eye of God could see was that unbroken law. When Satan tempted him in the wilderness, he answered, it is written. He defeated Satan with the one weapon God has placed in the hands of, of Adam and Eve. Eve only had to say, thus saith the Lord, and Satan would have been defeated. But Eve tossed that weapon aside and relied on her own reasoning. Adam tossed it away too and relied on his emotions. Not so the Lord Jesus. The more we know the word of God, the more we will love God. The more we love God, the more we will love the word of God. It is a spiral stairway to glory. Isn't that good? I love that picture of the Ark of the Covenant representing the Lord Jesus Christ with the, the law at its heart and Jesus Christ. He always did those things that the Father wanted him to do. Always. He kept that, that, that law in his heart and he kept it unbroken. And because he did that, he could be our sinless sacrifice on the cross. How did he do it? He did it by obeying the word of God. Man, I love that. So look at verse 11 again. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. So the first word I want you to look at there is hid. It's hid. Do you have something that you've hidden away, something that's careful, something that you want to keep away from your kids because you know they're going to ruin it? And as, as, as Jeff Bradshaw would say, that's why we can't have nice things, Logan. That's, that's what it is. You have these things and you, you put them away, you hide them away. The Bible tells us to hide God's word in our hearts. Thy word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen to what Spurgeon said about this verse. He did not wear a text on his heart as a charm, but he hid it in his heart as a rule. You see, Scripture is not something that we wear. Scripture is something that we hide in our hearts and we, it guides us. Man, I love that. 
He did not wear a text on his heart as a charm, but he hid it in his heart as a rule. So the next word is heart. Listen to Spurgeon again. His heart would be kept by the word because he kept the word in his heart. You see, we have a rule book, we have a guidebook, we have a map. And as we said last week, we don't love the map first, we love the one who wrote the map. And because we love him, we love his word. And it helps us, it guides us, he hid it in his heart. Spurgeon again, as one has well said, I love this, listen to this. Here is the best thing, the word, hidden in the best place in my heart. For the best of purposes, that I might not sin against thee. The best thing, the word, in the best place, my heart, for the best purpose, so that I don't sin. See, when we understand how deadly that sin is, like that, like that trail going down into the Grand Canyon. How many of you have, have seen the Grand Canyon? You've been there. How many of you, so the rest of you have not? You can't imagine it. When you're standing there and you're looking a mile down. When I was a kid, we went there. And I went out to the railing, the metal railing, and I went to lean over the railing, and the railing moved out. I used to be 6'4". I shrunk right there, just, just like that. I was so scared. It scared me to death. Listen, I'm just telling you, it is a long way down there. If we understood that's what sin does in our life. I know I already said that. I know in the first verse we said that. Hear it again. We need to understand how bad sin is and what it does. Listen to what uh, Charles Bridges in his commentary on Psalm 119. This is just a great statement. He said, what an aggregate of guilt and misery is comprehended in this short word, sin. The greatest curse that ever entered the universe of God and the parent of every other curse. That's what sin is. And then notice what it says. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. See, when we sin, we don't sin against our neighbor. So if you steal something from your neighbor, you're not sinning against your neighbor, you're sinning against God. This is from, uh, I've got a statement here I want to read to you from John Phillips. I got to hear Dr. Phillips one time preach, and he preached on Joseph. Joseph was his favorite character in the Bible, and he just brought out some amazing things. Listen to what he said about Joseph. We need to enthrone God's word in our hearts. Then we shall, like Joseph, when Potiphar's wife made her improper suggestion to him, he said, quote, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, he didn't say that he was sinning against Potiphar. He would have been sinning against God. He goes on, The usual arguments, it's natural. Everybody does it. Nobody's going to know. It can't be wrong if we love one another. Cut no ice with Joseph. Fornication was wickedness because it was against the known will of God. That settled it. God's word had a correcting effect, keeping his feet on the straight and narrow way. Isn't that good? Joseph had hid God's word in his heart when this temptation came, and it was genuine temptation. He was able to resist that temptation and flee because he understood that the sin was against God, whether anyone else saw it or knew about it. What a wonderful promise that is. We need to hide God's word in our hearts. And I promise you, young people, if you'll memorize scripture, and I know you have through Awana, if you'll remember that and meditate on it, as we'll see in a minute, 
God will protect you. Look at what it says in verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Blessed. Do you bless God with your life? You bless God by honoring his word and exalting his word. How many of you honestly say this? You love God. You really do. You love God. Man, we need to focus on him, not on our problems, not on how people have treated us. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. What did they do to Jesus? We need to focus on God. It changes everything. Blessed, and then it says, blessed Lord. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. You know that God wants to be your instructor through his word. God, the Holy Spirit. He wants you to read and pray and ask God to open it. God wants to be your teacher. He will teach you. Look at the next verse, verse 13. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I went to a wedding one time in New Jersey, and then someone that had come out for, he was a really wealthy guy, a real estate guy from Beverly Hills, he was going to stay at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City, and he asked me and my friend if we wanted to go with him. And so I got to stay at the Waldorf. This is 1983 or 1984. And he said, you guys want some coffee that next morning? And he ordered room service coffee, and I'll never forget that this little thing of coffee was like $11. And, you know, that was like four hours of work for me at that point, you know. And I, I just couldn't believe anybody would spend $11 on a, on a little bit of coffee. But we walked around the city together. The guy's name was Stan Nelson. And I'll never forget this. I, I'm remembering it from all those years ago. When, when we would just talk, Scripture would come out. Just in, in conversation, Scripture would come out. And he wasn't preaching. He just had Scripture on his mind as he was talking. He'd see something, we'd be talking, and a verse of Scripture would come to mind. Folks, that's the way that we need to be. But there's something I want you to notice about this text, and we talked about this in my Sunday school class, but I want you to see this very carefully. With, what's that, what's the second word of verse 13? Everyone? Okay, everyone didn't use your lips right there. Okay, everyone, what's that second word? One more time. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. See, I know that, so as a pastor, some, some preachers feel like they have opposition in their church all the time. I don't feel that. I know that you all, when I preach a hard sermon, when I preach hard against sin, I get so much encouragement afterwards. Keep it up, pastor. Preach the word. Praise God for that, right? And I'm glad you all do that, but I want to flip that around. You guys need to take that same speech and take it out into the world with your mouth, with your lips. And notice what he is talking about here. People love to talk about the promises of God. And you go to the Christian bookstore, and you have, you know, the, the scripture on the, the, the paintings or whatever. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Try me. You, you know those verses? But the one before it is, oh, how I hate them. I hate them with perfect hatred. Kill the unrighteous God. That's, that's right before that. That's not in the painting. Why? Because people like the promises and the devotional aspects of scripture, they don't like God's judgments. So I want, you to, I want you to notice. So the first thing I want you to notice is my lips. The second thing I want you to notice is this word. Look at what it says. With my lips have I, what's the word after I? What is that? Declared. Are you declaring? See, 
Edmund Burke, of course, we all know it. All that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. You understand that almost all good men in the United States are doing nothing right now. We need to speak the truth, God's righteous judgments. The next word I want you to see is judgments. Judgments. What are judgments? This is such a good thing. Sometimes we just, we interchange statutes, precepts, judgments, testimonies. No, God uses these different words for a reason. The word judgments, very important. We're not talking about the great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. That's not, what, that's not what's being spoken of here. What this passage is saying, when the Bible uses the word judgments, these are the judges, judgments, declarations about issues. So let's say homosexuality. God's judgment on that is it's an abomination. Right? The Bible says that the, that the marriage bed is pure and undefiled. That's God's judgment on that. Physical interaction between a man and a woman is limited to the marriage bed. That's God's judgment on that. Fornication is sin. Immorality is sin. Adultery is sin. Are you with me? What is that? That's God's judgment on that thing. God despises lying lips. That's God's judgment on that. If someone's a liar, that's not a good thing. That's God's judgment on that. Stealing, God's judgment on that is wrong. Murder, God's judgment on that is that it is wrong. We need to speak God's judgments. Communism is wrong. Marxism is wrong. Where did God identify that? If a man would not work, neither should he eat. That's God's judgment on that. I need to declare with my mouth God's righteous judgments. But see, we are cowed by the culture. Why are you so judgmental? What are they judging us on? You understand, when someone tells you you're judgmental, they're judging you. I know I've told you this, but I was reading something, and I went to Dave McCracken when I was working for him, and I, I was talking about how, what this guy was talking about, how is the problems with preachers, we make people feel guilty. And man, it was really working on me. And so I went to Brother Dave, and I told it to him, and he said, he's making you feel guilty for making people feel guilty, isn't he? You cannot have correction without someone being convicted or feeling a sense of guilt. Now you understand there's a difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction points you to God. Guilt moves you away from God. But when we pronounce God's righteous judgments, how many of you think people are going to say, oh, thank you so much. You're such a great Christian. Thank you for that. How'd that work out for John the Baptist? Do you remember? Talking about salami and this, this immorality. And So what did they do? They cut his head off. You see, the result of us speaking our righteous judgments is in eternity. It's not for today. But as Christians, what are we supposed to do? Look at what it says. Verse 13 again. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. And I've got to be done, but let me read this to you. This is from John Phillips again, that same little section on Psalm 119. This book is the most unpopular book in the world, the Bible. 
Try getting up in a biology class to oppose Darwin with Moses. Try getting up in a philosophy class to oppose Karl Marx with Christ. Try getting up in a sociology class to oppose the common idea that human nature is basically good with Paul's statement that there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Try getting up in a geology class to oppose the eons of time with Genesis. Try getting up in a psychology class to oppose Freud with doctrine of original sin. We soon find out that it calls for daring to declare all the judgments of God. Amen. And see, folks, this is who we are supposed to be. Stop being cowed by the world. Uh, I'll never forget sixth grade. I read William Jennings Bryant, William Jennings Bryant's uh, little booklet on evolution and went in and debated my science teacher when I was in sixth grade. How many sixth graders do we have here? Any sixth graders? Do we have any sixth graders in church? You can do this. All of us can stand up. Now, how many of you think that made me popular at school? But what are the chances of me being popular anyway? So what did I have to lose? Listen, it is so important that you stand up boldly and speak the truth, whether it's around Christians or lost people, that we speak the truth. Now, we have the parameters for that. In the New Testament, we speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love, but somehow we have this idea, like parents have told me, I love my kids too much to spank them. No, you love yourself too much. If you loved your kids, you'd spank them. Because the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And what is it that drives it far from him? The rod. The rod of correction. It's so important. Oh, man, this is so important. I, listen, with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. What are the testimonies? Judgments, God's righteous judgments. Testimonies are testimonies of what God has done in people's lives in the Bible. Man, I rejoice that God protected uh, Joseph and elevated him in the court. Isn't that wonderful? How, did, did, was that an easy path for Joseph? No, no, no. But he went from the pit to the palace. Verse 15. Well, verse 14 again, I have rejoiced. Now, do you all rejoice in the scriptures? Young people, let me ask you this question. Really important. Do you rejoice in the scriptures or do you read them when you read them out of a sense of duty? If you will just begin loving God and ask God to help you with his word, begin loving it. Rejoice. Rejoice in his testimonies as much as in all riches. I keep getting these uh, emails from Publishers Clearinghouse. Now, if they come, praise God, we can hire an assistant pastor. Pay off some bills. You know, I wouldn't say, no, I'm holy, if they came and brought me the money. I'd say, show me the money. (laughs) But do I rejoice in the scriptures as much as I would rejoice in the publisher's clearinghouse coming to my house? What does it say right here? I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as... As in all riches. Verse 15. I will. What's that word right there? Meditate in thy precepts. And have respect unto thy ways. So three words. Meditate. How can you meditate on something that you don't know? If you hide it in your heart. Then you can meditate on it. Think on it. Chew on it. Really dwell on it. Think about God's word. I will meditate in thy precepts. What are precepts? So you, in, this, in this passage, we've seen the word, we've seen statutes. Statutes are God's laws. 
precepts, precepts, very simple, they're God's ideas. Those are God's ideas in the Word of God. Think about those, those precepts, those statements, those laws. As much as in all riches, I will meditate in thy precepts and then have respect unto thy ways. You know, obviously, respect is something that's gone from our culture. You know, when we were young, my parents would never allow me to to call an adult by their first name. How many of you were raised that way? Right? We've kind of moved away from that. The idea of looking a man in the eye when you shake his hand. I remember my dad, I walked into a store one time. It was wintertime. I had on my, you know, my, my stocking cap, whatever you call it. And you guys call them toboggans. We sled on toboggans. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, dad, he looked over at me and he hit me in the gut with that. Take your hat off in public. <laughs> People wear hats to church now. This, this idea of respect in those things. You all know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? The... Respect has been diminished, and I believe that it's on purpose. I believe that our culture diminishes respect for authority, any kind of authority. Authority in the home, dads are idiots. Authority in the church, all, every pastor is represented as, as an immoral pig. And government, no respect for any of it. And if you don't have respect there, if you don't have respect for God's institutions, you certainly have no respect for God. We need to have respect unto thy ways. Verse 16, I think you'll see this. I will, do you see that? I will, that's a choice of the will. Delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I won't forget it if I hide it in my heart and if I meditate on it. Right? What, how do we forget things? How many of you when you went back to work after being out of work, Forgot to do something. Right? Our first service back. There were things that we forgot to do in our first church service back because we hadn't been there. Tom May forgot to count. That's why you can't give blondes a a lunch break because you have to retrain them. That's pretty funny. Hey, I'm blonde. I can say it. I have the right. How do you drown a blonde? Put a scratch and sniff at the bottom of the swimming pool. Listen, if we will remember, if we will remember God's word, our life will be better. You know, there's that book by that famous preacher, Your Best Life Now. Let me tell you how to have your best life now. Don't forget God's word. Amen? Man, what a great passage of scripture we get to look at today. What is, what is the, the whole key to this whole message? Hide God's word in your heart. Remember it. Have respect to it. Meditate on it. And what's going to happen? God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Oh, we love you. We love it so much. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface of these verses. But if we just imbibe, if we, if we digest, if we meditate, we ruminate on, we chew, we chew on, these words that are in your, in your word, Lord, you'll change us. You'll help us. You'll grow us. You'll bless us.